you've tuned into the Pearls of Wisdom podcast on Cold Tea Collective, where we share stories from Asian influencers and creators. My name is Natasha Jung, and I am your host. Now, if this is your first time learning about Cold Tea Collective, we are a storytelling platform for, by, and about Asian millennials. Now, I'm super excited to share this episode of Pearls of Wisdom with you, as it is with one of my favorite people that I met in the last year, Jake Choi. Now, he is an actor and a champion for diverse representation. And earlier this year, he was actually honored with the Visibility Award from the Human Rights Campaign for his advocacy and courage in the queer Asian community. On our podcast, we talk about growing up in one of the most diverse communities in Queens, his basketball career, three transformational moments in his life, and of course, single parents and what true diverse representation means. Now, if you haven't seen it yet, be sure to check out our Pride video interview with him where he talks about what being a part of the queer Asian community means to him. Hope you enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more Pearls of Wisdom. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Pearls of Wisdom and Hustle and Heart with Colty Collective. I am here in Vancouver in an obscure random park with Jake Choi, uh, actor, baller, and LGBTQ champion. Welcome to Vancouver, Jake. Thank you for having me. I love Vancouver. Oh, what are your impressions of it so far? It's your first time, right? Yeah, my first time. It's very clean. People it- are very nice. They seem very happy. Maybe because uh, marijuana is legal in the country, I don't know. Yeah, it probably um, has something to do with it. Yeah, something to do with that. <laughs> and um, it's beautiful. Vancouver is just beautiful. It's what I thought, pretty oh, much. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it because coming into it, you kind of you already had that like conception or like you've seen photos or you photos. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Videos. My friends um, who've worked in Vancouver always tell me, Jake, you got to go to Vancouver. Yeah. It's a beautiful city. Look, there's lush. Um, forests and wildlife and all that stuff and um it's true there you go well hope to be able to help you explore a little bit of that in your time here mm-hmm. uh, what are you doing here right now i'm working um on a show called the magicians it's a show on sci-fi and i am guest starring on it for the second episode of the fifth season okay and yeah. when does that come out and can you tell us a little bit about your role in that episode yeah, I don't know exactly when it drops, but the role is really awesome because he's this really like charming, grungy Asian character who he's sort of two people in one, right? He's an assassin. Special is yeah, his special is a memory erasure. So like like it's Men in Black, but without the without this, it's okay. more like it's Less more hardware. like it's more like actual spells and he'll like shoot it at you and when he shoots it at you he, he erases your memory okay you don't know that until later on in the episode um in the in the beginning of the uh, episode he just meets the jade who plays katie on the show mm-hmm. at a bar and they hit it off and okay. you know he kind of flirts with her she flirts back and they go back to her place and you know they have sex and it's great and then later on you find out that both of their memories were erased oh and i don't want to give too much away okay but it gets crazy. There's a big fight scene between me and her. Like actually, like you're like throwing punches, kicks, or like what? Weapons. Weapons. There's weapons involved. Like guns or like no, knives yeah, or like. Not guns or knives. It's at a bar, so there's like maybe a pool um, stick involved, oh, a broken okay. glass bottle, you okay. know, things like that. I don't want to give anything away. Okay. I don't want to give have too to much away. Yeah, you gotta watch the episode. Yeah. It's 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 amazing because this this character Eugene, he's um you know Asian Canadian. Right? He, yeah. But he's a hedge witch in the show. He's like the love interest slash antagonist, I guess. Like it's, it's yeah. it, but not the main antagonist. In terms of the relationship with um Katie, it's very complex because he 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 likes her a lot, mm-hmm. you know, genuinely. But he also has this other side that he can't tap into unless it's triggered, and that's like the assassin side. So he kind of has this like split personality, but right. it just he can't control it. And it's it's a it's a great role. It's a great wow. role. They're using my tattoos, and they're gonna add some other tattoos. Cool. I'm not gonna say which which kind of tattoos there are. You're okay. just gonna see it when he's shirtless in the bedroom scene. Okay. You're gonna see the other tattoos There's that they add on the bedroom scene. The bedroom scene. Oh my scene. gosh. <laughs> it, it, it's gonna get sexy. It's gonna get hot. It's yeah. gonna uh, get really um, intense. Yeah. Really cool. Okay, so I gotta ask you two things there. How do you prepare for a fight scene? And um, kind of opposite, or maybe not so opposite of that. How do you prepare for like a bedroom scene? Mmm. Okay, so when I got to Vancouver, they brought me over to a fitting, mm-hmm. and after the fitting, they drove me to the fight rehearsal. Okay. And the fight rehearsal, and, and you know, they know that I I have a basketball background, and I told them that I, you know, I, I box, I do some Muay Thai, kickboxing, mm-hmm. I've done like 
some action stuff, mm -hmm. not too much. And you know, we rehearsed for about maybe an hour. And the fight scene is not like a few swings here and there, and, and it's over. Yeah, it's a long fight scene. Like this is the longest, most intense, and extensive fight scene that they've had in all their five seasons oh, wow. so far. Yes. Wow. So like we had to like compartmentalize the fight scenes almost. Like the first ten seconds of it happens in a, in, in one part of the bar. And then we run, I chase after her, and there's like another part of the bar where we, I, I grab another weapon and then we jump over the pool table. So there's, it's like a long fight scene, it's very intricate. And also for safety reasons, we had to make sure that we had the choreography completely down pat. So we just rehearsed for about an hour. I, the thing with me is that when anything gets physical mm -hmm. and active, I pick it up really quick because that's my background. You're Basketball, used to using sports. your body. Yeah, I'm yeah. very good with like things that are like action-based that involves a lot of physicality. Mm -hmm. So I picked it up really quick, mm -hmm. actually. And um, so we rehearsed for about an hour, like just nonstop for wow. an hour. Wow. And then the next day, the day of the shoot, we went over about maybe 80% with 80% speed Yeah. a few times. And they were like, you ready to shoot? And I was like, yeah. So, and Jade did awesome. Jade guide down Pat too. Yeah. And we did it. Oh my gosh. And on the flip side, your, to your other question, um, the bedroom scene, I yeah. think. Yeah, how, how do you prepare for that? <laughs> you know, I, I feel like a lot of people that aren't actors or don't work in the business don't realize that these bedroom scenes, when you watch it on TV and film, they might look really like steamy and um, and hot and, and sexy. Mm -hmm. It's not like that when you shoot, usually. Because okay. <laughs> there's like a bajillion other people around you? Yeah, even, yeah. If, <laughs> even if it's a closed set. Okay. And there are like five crew members on set. It's It feels like it's work still. Yeah. You know, you're still acting. Yeah. It's not like, oh, now this becomes real. No, it's, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, like here we make out. You know, you kind of have to communicate with the actor and the director where the hands can be placed, where it cannot be, what the, each actor is comfortable with mm -hmm. in terms of being touched. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have all that in it's mind. It's like mechanics. You just it's very said, mechanical, it's like, yeah. Like choreography almost. It's choreography, right? yeah. exactly. So, you know, if it's choreography, it's not going to be like real life, like mm -hmm. having sex or making out, you know? It's mm -hmm. very, there's choreography involved and after let's say five seconds of making now you have to turn this way towards the camera and then you gotta go this way and because that's where the bed is and you yeah. fall into the bed and then we cut and then we do it again and then yeah. you know <laughs> wow. um the thing is like i have another day left but i shot the first day with jade and mm -hmm. i hung out with jade and she's so nice and she's so oh, beautiful okay. and she's just so charismatic mm -hmm. and that really helps a lot in my opinion when you shoot bedroom scenes or scenes where you're romantically involved with the other mm. actor, I feel like the camera picks up on the chemistry. Yeah. So you guys have chemistry. We have chemistry. Yeah. I think we have chemistry. Okay. We got chemistry. Okay. <laughs> I think, you know, I think when the when, when everyone watches this episode, mm -hmm. you're gonna want them to get back together or you want my character to come back more often. Yeah. To sort of so you kind of maybe like kind of like Katie. an like an in and out kind of you know like everyone has that person in their lives that kind of comes in and out and in and out, kind of stuff, in and so. out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no pun intended no pun intended oh gosh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was good yeah thank I'll you, do it. Thank I'll, you. I'll, i was trying to keep a straight face but i couldn't no it's okay we we got jokes here it's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have had a pretty big year it sounds like released recently is uh, the sun is also a star mm -hmm. And that was shot in New York, yeah. where you're from, yeah. actually. So how was that experience for you? It's always nice to shoot in your city, yeah. you know, in your hometown. And we shot a couple days in Harlem, which oh, is wow. awesome. Okay. I love Harlem. And we shot a day in Queens, so that was nice. You know, and I got to see my mom. So yeah. it's, just, it's just, you know, it's nice to work in general. But when you get to shoot with a awesome cast and crew in your city, and then on the days off, you go see your mom, mm -hmm. or you just kind of get to visit the places that you missed in New York. Yeah. It's, it's a blessing, you know, for real. You live in L.A. now. Yeah. How long ago did you move to L.A.? About three years ago. Three years yeah, ago. So what are the places that, like, you absolutely missed and you got to spend time in when you got to shoot that in New York? I love Union Square. Oh, yeah. I like Union Square yeah. a lot. So I went there, walked around the park. There's a Petco in Union Square that okay. I always go to yeah. when I stop by Union Square. Mm -hmm. I always go there, look at the reptiles, the guinea pigs, and oh, chinchillas. Cool. <laughs> I love that Have Petco. you ever taken any home with you or just, hello, no. name I, them? I, no. No. No, because maybe next time. Yeah, because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's still the same one when I go back the next That's time. True. You know what I'm saying? I can't name it. But the chinchillas are really cute there. Okay. The reptiles, Jackson Heights. You know, for the food, I always got to go Jackson Heights. for the Heights. food. Jackson Heights. Yeah. yeah. It's the best food is in Jackson Heights. What um, kind of food is it? I mean, you got, you got little India there. Um, you got little Philippines there. Whole bunch of like Mexican, Colombian spots. 
Mm -hmm. Asian, there's a whole bunch of Asian places like Thai, Mongolian, Chinese, uh, Malaysian, all kinds of Asian food. Not a lot of Korean food. You go to Bayside for that in Queens. And I'm yeah. noting this down. Yeah, <laughs> Next time I visit, yeah. 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 <laughs> and there are so many other places that I went to, but I just can't think off the top of my mm -hmm. head. But Union Square is like the first place that always comes to mind. I'm like, yo, yeah. like if, if I'm about to meet a friend, mm -hmm. I usually always say, hey, let's meet at Union Square. Yeah. Or like Madison Square Park. I love Madison Square Park. Yeah. It's a really chill Oh, Low-key kind of park. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like this one, almost? Yeah. Sort of. Maybe, maybe not. not. I mean, so you much. know what? <laughs> it would be if you had like a whole bunch of buildings around you. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're surrounded by residential homes. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of slightly different right now. A little different. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool in its own way. Yeah. yeah. Part of this last year for you um, as well, I guess the last like few years, single parents. So I started following you. I first heard of you because of, how do I say that? I heard of single parents because I started following you. And I was like, uh -huh. what is single parents? For those of us that haven't had a chance to watch mm -hmm. it yet, what is single parents about? And tell us about your role. Single parents is a comedy about five single parents who sort of have to band together to help each other out raising their kids. And they're not chosen friends really they're just more like friends who kind of had no choice but to come together mm -hmm. and they sort of become a family yeah. you know and my character miggy he's this really nice but clueless new single dad yeah. and he has this beautiful asian baby he has a son yeah, jack okay. i'd hope the baby would be asian because you know, yeah you're yeah. asian so yeah, yeah and, that would make and sense, the, baby, right? ba the baby mother is asian too oh good <laughs> and um you know he wears his heart on his sleeve mm -hmm. he's, he's this very likable charming um hype beast he's a sneakerhead he's uh very hip but he's just not the smartest no. <laughs> um, but he's lovable. He's very lovable. Yeah. <laughs> he's very lovable. You know, look, God is fair. Yeah. Right? No yeah. one, no one's perfect. Yeah, yeah. What I love about single parents is that not only is it funny and and it's written well, mm -hmm. it has a lot of heart. Mm -hmm. You know, you can relate to somebody at some point, mm -hmm. and I feel like sometimes kids, what they're going through, reflects what the parents are struggling with, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. You know, because the kids are a very big part of the show, and it's amazing how you would not think. Uh, one parent would really vibe with the other parents, but they all sort of have moments together where this friendship makes sense, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's where the heart comes in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important for mm -hmm. any show. Any show to have um, a, a type of longevity, mm -hmm. you need heart. You need something that grounds them, even mm -hmm. if it's a comedy. So you're talking about, I'm um, just going back to your earlier point about how, um, so you're a character, single dad, and like the, the baby mama is also, you know, Asian American, mm -hmm. right? You know, but do we do we actually see her in, we see her in a couple episodes or no? Not in season one. Not in season one, okay. I think season two. How do you think your personal upbringing has kind of inspired you to play the role of Miggy on Single Parents? It's a good question. You know, me and my friends were all very similar to Miggy. Really? Growing up. Yeah. How so? A lot of our, a lot of us were hype beasts. Mm -hmm. You know, we all had to have the 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 new hot um, sneakers or shoes or clothing. Mm -hmm. We all tried to outdo each other in terms of like dressing up because that was a way of expressing ourselves. None of us were that smart, were that smart, really, academically. Like, I failed math two, three years in a row. Oh my God. All my yeah. friends were the same. We all had to go to summer school together. Hashtag bad Asians, right? Hashtag oh. not the model minority. No. Um, <laughs> uh, some, yeah, a couple of my friends were young parents, young single mm -hmm. parents, you know, at 17, 18. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, I really saw myself in Miggy, you know, and I still do, and I just really resonated with the character, and I just think that makes it so much easier to play a character, mm -hmm. you know, when you can really, when there's this visceral, unspoken connection. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I was listening to another podcast you were on, um, the Collabcast, where you were being interviewed about that role, and you kind of talked a little bit about how, in particular for that role, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that role was like, it really spoke to you, and you really connected with it, because a lot of it, you saw a lot of yourself reflected mm -hmm. in that role. Like, what do you think, um, personally, have learned from the Miggy character to bring into your life? Raising a kid is not easy. <laughs> Raising a baby isn't easy. I have baby fever, right? Oh, do you? <laughs> is this before, like, always or I've like? I've always before? had baby fever. Okay, so this is like the perfect job for you. Yeah, <laughs> but now I'm realizing, okay, you know, look, it's not all peaches and cream. There's a lot of poop and yeah. piss and crying involved and not and losing sleep. But, you know, just going back to the importance of Miggy, you never see a young Asian-American character, male or female, it doesn't matter, on network TV with tattoos, but he's not a gangster, a single parent, mm -hmm. but he's not a deadbeat dad. 
um, or a parent is hip, you know, he's not any kind of a stereotype. Mm -hmm. You never see that. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's one, any character in the history of television or cinema in America mm -hmm. where you've seen a character like Miggy. Open tattoos, right? Without being some vague Asian triad member or yeah. something like that. <laughs> Because there are a lot of those. There's a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being a foreign Asian, but he's not that. No. He's just an Asian American. Single parent. Young, 20-year-old single dad. You never see that. No. He's not like some one-dimensional nerd. Mm -hmm. They show him he's desired by other people, like in a sexual way. Multiple people throughout the season. Dumb. <laughs> he's dumb. He's fit, you know? I mean, I've, I can't think of one character. There are people that come close sure, here and there, yeah. like Manny Jacinto's character. Yeah. Jason Mendoza, you know, comes close. He's in a good place, yeah. He's kind of like a bro, sort of like a bro, but mm -hmm. his character is very like bro-y, mm -hmm. you know, and he's very funny, and yeah. he's like a, a, a big Jacksonville football fan. Yeah. And then you had like Dante Bosco's characters before, you know, yeah. but like never really like, Miggy's like, I feel like the next level. Yeah. Single parent, you know, open tattoo. He's not like bro -y, you know, he's not so bro -y. He's kind of like sort of these non-masculine parts, you know, he's just very kind like almost fluid like you don't even know you know what sexuality like like he is and he doesn't it doesn't matter i just think it's groundbreaking it's very revolutionary like Mickey park and not too many people are talking about it mm -hmm. that's confusing to me it's confusing to you as to why they're not talking about that yeah i think more people should be no i think and so not just too. because i'm playing the role it's abc and growing up we didn't really have those people to model after right i mean no, no. not even like not even as an actor but just like as a human being as a human being no like you uh, miggy is like a whole other demographic of asians mm -hmm. that i've known i was growing up and mm -hmm. you've never seen that no you know never what's the response you've gotten from your role um as miggy like do, do people come up to you do they like share mm -hmm. with you what what that role means to them or like how that's reflected in their lives or yeah and it's like different for different reasons, right? Right. So, and they're all positive, mm -hmm. which is great. Um, some people will be like, man, you know, like I recently became a parent. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't matter if they're single or not. Mm -hmm. It's just, and being Asian American, you know, seeing you on TV, mm -hmm. I really feel like I'm seen on, on different levels because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a parent mm -hmm. and I'm Asian American. Some people are like, yo, like, oh my God, finally a cool like Asian character yeah. who is into sneakers, who, who wears like really dope designer like streetwear yeah. clothes and people in general they just have come up to me and said man like you know what a refreshing take on a young asian character and, on tv and was the role written like that or did you bring a lot of your own ideas and your own experience into the character um i'd say like half and half okay so yeah yeah it was you know he was written in a way where he's clueless He's a single parent and he's a lift driver, but also he collects shoes, right? Yeah. So I said, okay. When I auditioned for it, I openly showed my tattoos, at yeah. least on my arms. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't want to hide that from them. And they love that because yeah. it makes sense. Also, because you have to make these choices when you walk into the audition room, right? Yeah, it's who you are. You know, mm -hmm. it's who I am as a, mm -hmm. as a person, mm -hmm. as an actor, and that informs the character to the people that are casting this role and you know I mean you know I have little ideas of how the character would talk and how he would walk and mm -hmm. how he lives you know in everyday life and mm -hmm. we would me and the creatives we would talk about it the creatives are so open to hearing everything mm -hmm. and they're so collaborative and very generous in that sense you know so like good to hear. yeah so we just kind of pull ideas together and we make this very well fleshed out character there you go um, so if you haven't checked it out, definitely check out Jake on Single Parents. I was gonna, about to call you Miggy, but like that's no... That's, that's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. That's a compliment. <laughs> Miggy is who I aspire to be yeah. in, in, the, in the sense of how he approaches life. And you also have some very exciting casting news. You're going to be working with Sujata Day. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, tell us about that project. It's, wow. I'm so proud of Sujata, you know. Uh, she wrote this feature film for herself um, and it's loosely based on how she how she grew up in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, right? AKA the GBG. You know, she didn't wait to get funding or to, mm -hmm. to green light, uh, to wait for someone else to green light her mm -hmm. film. She just said, hey, I'm gonna green light the shit myself. And she did it. And uh, it was so nice to work with her because, mm -hmm. you know, she's an actor. This is her first directing job, but she was so in control mm -hmm. and she was so well prepped mm -hmm. and, you know, she had these awesome ideas, I had some ideas, and we just tried different things with each take. It felt like she, to me, it seemed like she's been directing for years. It just seemed that effortless mm -hmm. for her. Mm -hmm. Who knows, maybe she was stressed, and she, but, but you couldn't tell. 
You know? It's that work ethic, and I'm sure she's worked with some amazing like directors in her her own yes. career as an actor as well. So kind of modeling after that, hopefully. Yeah. But uh, no, it's it's that's so great to hear, especially for a first time director. Too. Yeah, and I think she has a mentor in Justin Chan and Alex Chi. Yeah, in making amazing indie features, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the producer Cameron is a really good producer. He really held down the ship of just from the behind the scenes aspect mm -hmm. and the cast. I think, you know, she purposely picked the cast um, with, with specific intentions, you know, for each character because they just came in and killed it. That's amazing. You know, That's no you rehearsal, want. you know, just yeah. come in, boom, do your thing. She knows everyone personally. Mm -hmm. And so what's the film about and kind of what's your character? I play her love interest. There you go. Yeah, I play her love interest. <laughs> you know, and it's awesome because you never really see Asian-Asian love on TV and yeah. film. No. A lot of times it's very, like, even if it's interracial, it's like white and Asian, right? Yeah. Somehow, <clears throat> one way, you never really see, like, brown and yellow Asians together. You know, you never really see that, like... There's, I, there's that bit of separation, even, in, like, in, in the Asian media space that we're in, not necessarily in entertainment, but... Sometimes there's like, you know, East Asian, you know, versus South Asian. Yeah. Maybe not even versus, but it's just like completely like right. separate. It's not as yeah. integrated as you yeah. want it to be. But me growing up in New York, I saw a lot of like my South Asian friends dating East Asian friends or mm -hmm. Southeast Asian friends that dating South Asian friends. Yeah. It was like a normal thing. Like my Indian friends dated like my Korean friends or my Chinese friends dated like Pakistani friends, you know, like it yeah. was a very normal thing. But you never see that. You know, it's not even like a blip in anyone's like mind outside of the Asian community, right? So yeah. when she said, would you like to play my love interest for the feature that I told, she mentioned the feature idea way mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. I said, yes, mm -hmm. send me the script. Yeah. I'm going to send it to my reps, but I want to read the script. But yeah. you just know that I'm, I'm like, we're going to make it happen. In. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's basically her growing up as this, you know, Indian, you know, American girl in Greensburg. Um, it's a sibling story, mm -hmm. essentially, um, between her and her brother who has um, mental illness in real life. And then so she kind of based the character, the brother character on her real brother. Mm -hmm. um, and the mother's a very big part of the story, too. Mm -hmm. And I play Richie, who is her love interest. I guess like they knew each other in high school, but Richie never asked her out because he was like kind of shy. But then now mm -hmm. he's not as shy. He's a little bit more confident. So, okay. you know, they do a little flirting. They might do a little, you know, sexing. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's I thought there hot. was going to be a bit of a nuanced word. But no, no, he just said uh, straight up sexing. <laughs> no, it's funny because like in the script, the stage direction, I guess when they first see each other again in 10 years, mm -hmm. after 10 years in the bar, I, you know, I say something like, I've always had a crush on you yeah. in high school. Yeah. And she goes, well, you never asked me out. And I go, you want to go out? There you go. And that then, was the time. And then in the Shoot script, <laughs> it says like, cut to exterior or oh, interior Richie's truck. Richie and Monica have a good old fashioned fucking in oh. the back of his truck. <laughs> and that's what we do. Oh my God. We have a good old yeah. fashioned fucking in the back of my truck. And um, <laughs> yeah, and you see later on in the movie, like I come back and there's sweeter nuance scene between them. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so it's, it's, really cool. it's gonna be good. That's it's very nice. exciting. All the principles are Asian. Yes, there you go. Yeah. And, and um, Sujata herself has been um, just like a huge champion for representation across the board and mm -hmm. making sure that not only are um, like actors elevated, but like other other directors and, and just stories overall. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that sounds like a really cool project. Yeah. When's that coming out? We have no idea. Do we I know think Okay. They're definitely going to do a film festival push. Yeah, the festival run Next first. year. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully but, get to see it. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure a lot of film festivals are going to play it, especially the Asian ones. Yeah. 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 I'm, 100% sure a lot of the bigger, like, even the smaller Asian ones are going yeah. to be playing it. Okay. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it premieres. Yeah. Oh. Okay, well, keep an eye out for that, and hopefully we'll get to see it as well. Definition, please. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Kind of getting back to, like, the roots of, like, not just your work, but kind of like you as a person. So, you grew up in Queens. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like for you? You can give me a long version, short version. I mean, <laughs> that's a big question, I know. Yeah. You know <laughs> what? The first thing that comes to mind is... It's crazy to say this now, but growing up in Elmhurst in Queens, people of color were the majority. Like white people were the minority in Elmhurst, at least. Okay. And how big is Elmhurst? Like, what was the population when growing Ooh, up? You know, I can't say, but Elmhurst is kind of big. Okay. What are their bigger areas? Yeah, because Elmhurst is right next to Jackson Heights, and Jackson Heights is humongous. Jackson Heights is probably the most ethnically diverse neighborhood in the world. There, wow. are, there are like 200 ethnicities. That's amazing. Jackson Heights, yeah. And Elmhurst is right next to it. And then, you know, Elmhurst kind of like bleeds into like Corona and then in Forest Hills and yada yada. But so even when you go back to Elmhurst now, if you walk around Elmhurst, mostly people of color. 
Well, like 80% people cool. of color. You know, some white people have moved in, like the, yeah, like the sure. younger ones that are like, you know, that can't live in the city or Brooklyn because it's too expensive, so they mm -hmm. kind of came to Elmhurst. Yeah. So you'll see some younger white folks, but like for the most part, growing up, and this is why media fucked with my head so much because yeah. growing up, when you go outside, you saw so many people of color. Mm -hmm. But when you watch TV and the movies, you've never really seen them. It was mm -hmm. mostly like the heroes and the leads were all white. That's why I had such identity issues mm -hmm. growing up. And then maybe it's the couple of times you saw people of color like in the leads or in the movies, they were like black or Latino, like in music videos or like the music that I followed, right? Like mostly hip hop. And that was cool, but you never saw Asian faces ever mm -hmm. like growing up and like in movies or you know maybe like power rangers you had uh, the yellow ranger of yeah. course the yellow <laughs> sure. ranger of course the, of course the yellow ranger is asian right, right. Yeah. but that was yeah. like about it so but, it just really wasn't reflective of the world that you grew up no in. no absolutely no. not mm -hmm. you know and it's different like i know some asian friends who grew up in like let's say like super white michigan like a suburb mm -hmm. of michigan and like what they saw in media reflected what they sort of saw outside their homes yeah and, you know that fucks you up in a whole different way but like with me i was so confused because yeah I'm like, man, all my friends are Asian, Latino, black. And you got like that one Polish kid, right? Yeah. Whose parents are immigrants, right? Oh, sure, yeah. I still remember his name, Adam Wozniak. I loved Adam Wozniak. Aww. He was the best. And he shout was like out that, to Adam. Yeah, shout out to Adam. <laughs> he was like the one white kid in our group. And, and, then you, and I'm watching these movies and I'm like, wow. Like, is that how I'm supposed to be? I guess that's a standard, like the white dude. And now, of course, you realize like, no, like that they're all basic as fuck. <laughs> you know, no offense, but like it's the, like the, the characters, the or, characters and yeah. the, even the actors playing them like they're it's just because why should they push? Why should they work harder towards something when when the world is telling them that you just being a white dude and maybe like sort of hot mm -hmm. is the standard like you don't have to do yeah, anymore. There are a lot of semi hot white dudes on on screens and it's just like, they're OK, you know yeah. what I mean? But like. Yeah, they're the ones getting the roles. And yeah. it's like, why is this person getting the roles? Exactly. Right? And it's like, okay. it's like, why should he even try harder than what he's doing now? Mm -hmm. You know, when mm -hmm. it's already it's accepted. Kind of, it's kind of in the bag. Yeah, it's like, um, uh, what is it? The celebration of mediocrity? Oh, it's yeah. It's kind of like yeah. that. <laughs> so I thought that was a standard growing up for many, 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 many years. And now I realize, oh, okay, like, I don't want that. I don't no. want to be that. No. You know? I, I want to be better than that. And I think the, the world is slowly starting to see like, oh, okay, yeah. like, you know, white men are not the standard. You don't have to be. And you're, you're a huge part of that. So as I mentioned, you're a bit of a baller. So, I mean, but like actually in the literal sense. Um, so you, 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 played, you played basketball uh -huh. in Korea mm -hmm. as part of university. Is that right? Yeah. 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 What was that experience like for you? Man, um, the players were a lot better than I expected. Really? Yeah, so? they are really good. They're very fundamentally sound. They're way taller and... Than you expected or taller than you? Because you're about, what, like six I'm feet, I'm six right? feet tall. Yeah. The, well, the point guards were about my height. Six feet, 5'11", 6'1", 6'2". But the other players are tall. Like the shooting guards were like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, That's crazy, man. You know, the fours were like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, mm -hmm. The centers were about like 6'9". And what did you play? I, I was a point guard. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so and in in Yonsei University was well, you usually like always like top three, but when I joined them, they were like number one. Wow. They had the best team in the in the country. You know, we scrimmage against pro teams, and we actually beat like half the pro teams because there's not like a big drop off between college and pro in Korea. Oh, really? No, not a big drop off. Like you know, in America, like an NBA, like a lot of college teams, you can't hang with the NBA teams. You know, it's just a mm. huge drop off. But in Korea, it's different because it's it's, it's smaller. Sure, yeah, it's so just sheer number of yeah. people, the right? The competition is not that much different than mm -hmm. one level to the other, but it was an experience. It wasn't as fun as I thought, like, because mm. in Korea, I realized playing in Korea that I had it so good in America. In terms of basketball or just in, life in general? In terms of being an athlete, mm -hmm. you know, you have more creative freedom, you get to sort of take more risks and not be penalized so hard for it. You know, the system is different, like um, in Korea, everything is more about like, even if you have a chance to sort of um, score, right? You're encouraged to pass first and then get it back and then run the play. As opposed to here, it's like, oh, if you see a lane, you can attack and drive and score or yeah. pass it out. But in Korea, it's like, no, stop dribbling, pass first. Really? And like in any, in most circumstances then? Yeah. 
I guess in, in the NBA, for example, right? This is me obviously like not really knowing much about basketball, but yeah. you have a lot of those star players, MVPs. Does that mean in Korea, is it harder to be an MVP then if you're always encouraged to, to pass and like work as the, like the team or? Yeah, it's like, it, it's, it's hard to explain, but for example, someone like James Harden has a ball on him a lot. Right, okay. James Harden. He dribbles, he'll toy with you, and he'll drive and score, or he'll step back for a three-pointer. Like, in Korea, you don't really have players that do that. Really? Even if they hmm. can, they won't. Because, they is it a cultural thing? Yeah, it's a cultural thing. It's like, that's very, it's very taboo. Like, it's not encouraged. Is it showy? Is that why? Yeah, well, they, they say, hey, oh, it's, too, it's very fancy, and it's not efficient. Keep uh, it simple. Okay, You okay. know, it's very constricting. Mm-hmm. You know, because athletes are artists in their own way. They have mm -hmm. a craft and we, we have our own style and individualities, you know, and so everyone, not, not one player plays the same. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes great players great. You know, James Harden has his own style, his own way of playing that makes him really hard to guard. Mm -hmm. LeBron James has his own thing, you know, and Kobe has his own thing and Chris Paul and Kai, everyone's got their own thing. In Korea, individuality is very shunned. Mm -hmm. It's very looked down upon. It's more like, do the same thing as the other guys and just do that. And then if we win, great. If we don't, mm -hmm. then it's still your fault. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like Korea, you, they can learn a lot from America, like in mm -hmm. terms of like athletics, you know, they need to be more, they need to promote more um, creative freedom and mm -hmm. calculated risks and um, individuality. Mm -hmm. I did, and, and I think until then, then you're, they're never going to be great. Mm. You know, you're Not never going to. Not on the world stage necessarily. No. no. How was the experience of living in Korea? How did it influence you like, on a personal level? Not just living in Korea, I mean, outside of basketball too. You know, um, I, I definitely learned or gained uh, more of a sense of pride, a uh, pride of being Korean, but I also gained a sense of pride being American, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, because, you know, in Korea, it's, it's interesting. When you're Korean American and you go to Korea, they don't really accept you. It's hmm. like, they accept the fact that you look like them. Okay. But you're also still a foreigner because you're from America. Culturally, you're, you might as well be a totally different race. So even if you, you look the same, dress the same, talk the same, mm -hmm. it would still be like, you're not from here, you're an outsider. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, I didn't think the same. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I spoke Korean, mm -hmm. you know, good enough to get by, but mm -hmm. to them, they, they always saw me as like this foreigner, mm -hmm. you know? and there was like discrimination against me from wow. Koreans. Wow. So it's really interesting because in America, you're like not considered American. You're a perpetual foreigner if, you're, if you look this way, mm. even though you're American. And over in Korea, you're a foreigner too. So the, you know- so Where's home? Like where exactly. are you from, right? Like, yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's really fucked up. True. That was hard. It was hard. You know, if you visit Korea, it's different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fun. But when you live there as a Korean-American, Korean it's hard. Were you the only Korean-American there? or No, there, there, were, there were a lot. Oh, really? There okay. were a lot of Korean-Americans there um, for different reasons. Teaching English, learning Korean. Oh, okay. You know, so just, outside the team too, right? Yeah, doing other stuff, mm -hmm. other jobs. And, um, you know, you can ask them too. You know, it, was, it wasn't easy like, mm -hmm. to, to, to get by. Especially, you know, like... For me, if, with, regarding basketball, I was better than a good number of the point guards um, that were in my draft class the year that I was in the draft. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't get drafted. I know it's not because I wasn't good enough. It's, it's, be it's because I was Korean American. Wow. I didn't put enough time into their university their system, system sure. oh, for them okay. to be like, okay, now, you know, we'll pay him. Um, so it could have been very different. Like, had you got drafted, you wouldn't have I won't be done acting. Yeah. yeah, I probably won't be here talking to wow. you right now. There you so go. It's, it was great. Thank you for not drafting me, guys. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, that worked out then. Yeah. For, for, for everyone then, yeah. I guess. So <laughs> um, what did you learn from basketball and living abroad that you've been able to apply in your, I guess, the, your, your perseverance, if you will, when it comes to acting and your career in acting? 99% mm -hmm. of your plans won't go the way you planned it. That's <laughs> the one thing that I learned. It's, mm -hmm. you can spend all day, all week, all year, like making these grand plans and, and visualizing how it's going to work out. And you have to accept the fact that there's a good chance it won't happen that way. Mm -hmm. And you have to be okay with it. Mm -hmm. That's like literally what I learned in Korea. Like I had all these plans, like make it pro, make it to the pros, mm -hmm. buy a house, get married by this 
whatever, and then maybe do some movies here and then do that, da, 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 mm -hmm. and then like it never worked out that way. Wow. But now I'm in a position where way happier than I ever thought I was gonna be seven years, eight, nine, ten years ago, you know, yeah. whatever. So that's definitely what I picked up. I learned, you know, like just mm -hmm. kind of like learning how to not attach myself to, mm -hmm. to things or ideas, not covet things, mm -hmm. you know, so much. Um, and I think being overseas and going through all the rejections and, you know, remember I entered the draft. It was like national televised. The journalists were saying that I'm going to get picked up in the, maybe oh, the second round. Yeah. I'm really good. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I didn't get drafted. They would say that because of your stats. Yeah. That, be well, they saw the pre-draft workout. So me and oh, all the okay. top, top college players yeah. that year, we did a workout together. Okay. And I killed it. And all the journalists were there. Like the TV people were there like watching and they're yeah. interviewing me and all that stuff. So I thought I was going to get drafted. Yeah. Everyone thought that. Yeah. And they didn't. Shit. So when it comes to like acting and like rejections, mm -hmm. I personally don't take it as hard as uh, maybe other actors because mm -hmm. I had this whole other life here and I got rejected on a whole other level. Oops. Like, yeah. it, you know, you go into an audition, you kill it, you don't get it. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's not that serious for me. Sure. You know, but I can see why other actors take it so seriously, you know, mm -hmm. like, and are so hurt by the rejection mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. auditions are hard to come by um, and jobs are hard to come by. But so for me, it's like the rejections and the day to day like struggle of being an actor is not that hard for me personally, because mm -hmm. I had it way harder in Korea, you know, trying to be a basketball player. Mm -hmm. It was I have that sort of experience that I take into acting and I kind of mm -hmm. like just sort of takes the pressure off of me a lot. You for know, when sure. I perform or even when I go into an audition, like it's yeah. not that serious for me. You mm -hmm. know, I just try to do the best I can and let the creative, you know, juices flow. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then if it works, it works. If it works, it works. There it doesn't. Go. Oh, well. Well, it seems like it's working so far. So yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you name the top three most transformational moments of your life to date? That draft where I didn't get picked up for sure because I borrowed like a quarter, right? The equivalent of a quarter in Korea and I went to a payphone right next to where the room was, the draft room was, mm -hmm. and I called my mom and I said, you know, I didn't get drafted. Because she was waiting for me to tell her. Right, yeah. And she was like, it's okay. If you want to come back, come back. Come mm -hmm. back to New York. Mm -hmm. If it's too hard for you. And I said, no, I'm going to stay here and, I'll, and I'm going to keep going. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, you know, that's, that was when I slowly started taking control over my life where... Because, you know, before that, I always thought, I can't quit basketball. This is the one thing I know how to do, and mm -hmm. this is the only thing that I want to do. And, and well, what happens is you give up control. Like, it's very constricting, you know, when yeah. you think that way. That was like your, your eyes on the prize. You only had your eyes on one yes, thing. Yes, that tunnel okay. vision. But yeah. when I told my mom that I'm going to keep going, I felt like that was when I chose to continue to pursue basketball, as opposed to me only having that one route. Mm, so you actually had the... The option. The okay. option, right. Yeah, because you could have you could have easily gone back. You could have chosen the I easier could've. way out, yep. right? Yep, yeah. I could have. I could have. At yep. that point, I was so young. I could have gone back to school. Yeah. You know, I could have done whatever I wanted, mm -hmm. but I didn't. I chose to go continue to pursue basketball because mm -hmm. I loved it. So that was very transformational for me. Mm -hmm. Probably when I um, had the interview with David for Very Good Light. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just talked about, like, just we just naturally talked about like sexuality and you know preferences and um, I was like oh yeah like I'm pretty fluid pretty pansexual you know because mm -hmm. that's what me and my friends talk about yeah. you know and when that came out people and people were like what Jake Choi comes out you know mm -hmm. and I was like oh well okay that, well this is a moment and this is you know? like you didn't intend to it just kind of came out in conversation and yeah. Everyone has, I guess, different coming out stories, yeah, right? And yeah. uh, that this was is, yours. That was mine. <laughs> that was mine. Uh, unintended. Yeah. You know, very anticlimactic. But it's it was also very special, you know? Mm -hmm. there, was, there was a moment. It's, it's like an oh fuck moment that I'll never forget. Where my friend, my childhood friend, he was selling drugs. Um, and, and I was like, hey, how much money are you making? You making a lot of money? He's like, yeah, I'm making a lot of money. And this like, was in, like, back in Queens? Or? Yeah, it was back in Queens, okay. right? This was like when I was in high school. Okay. And this was when I was really getting good at basketball. Mm -hmm. But I want, I needed some money. We didn't have money growing up. And he was like, all right, you can work for me. Here, I'll give you this much amount. You sell this much. You give me this and you keep this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. And he's, he's about to give me like a bag of like weed or whatever. And he lifts up his shirt and it's like a loaded gun, right? And I was like, whoa, dude, what the fuck are you doing with that gun? 
like yeah. tucked in your waist. Is that real? He's like, yeah, it's real. It's fucking loaded. And I was like, uh, why you need that? He was like, oh, well, you know, it's protection because, you know, it's dangerous. Like every day, like, I don't know who's gonna try to come like rob me or, you know, come get me because they know I'm mm -hmm. serving people, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I said, ooh, okay, you know what? You can take it back. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna just keep playing basketball and yeah. uh, try to stay alive. And that was a big moment for me because I was really like considering yeah. going this route, but I didn't. Wow. We're once again also glad that that, you know, you made yeah. that decision yeah. and made that choice because things could have ended up very differently very for you. Differently, yeah. And once again, he, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So it is Pride Month, the mm -hmm. month of June in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you, how do you identify in terms of like pronouns, orientation? Um, you know, uh, he, him, his, and uh, I guess I'm pansexual, fluid. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it depends on the person. Yeah. You know, that I meet. Yeah, it's not like my attraction is just just to one gender mm -hmm. or one type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, I, I read through some of your, your previous interviews and this kind of, um, I guess you started to realize who you truly were and kind of like learn more about yourself as a person through a job. Mm -hmm. Front cover? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tell front cover really um, helped me to sort of unlearn like the the toxic sort of like homophobic conditioning that, that was drilled in me from like when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, so front cover really helped me to sort of shed that, to see just queer people in a different light, but also myself in a different light, mm -hmm. you know? And I realized, oh, okay, it's not, I, I, I'm not so straight, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just like, I'm just, I'm just into whoever, whoever mm -hmm. I'm, I'm into. And I think through, and I'm, I, you know, I think I'm not, I don't think I'm the first actor that this has happened to. I feel mm. like a lot of other actors who've done, um, who've played queer characters kind of realize, oh, you know what? Like, I identify more with this character than I thought. And that's, that's what happened with Front Cover. It took, it took a little while after I wrapped yeah. Front Cover, but maybe like a few years. Yeah. But I realized, oh, okay, yeah. I, I'm more comfortable using the term pansexual than like straight or like heterosexual. Right, you know? sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, especially in, in 2019, there's just, there's so much new, I, I don't want to call it terminology, but there's so many new ways to identify. Mm -hmm. um, so for me personally, so my best friend came out as, as bi probably like eight years ago now. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was not not the first person that came out to me like as a, as a friend, but I was the first person that, that he came out to. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing I asked him was like, wow, like how do, how do you feel about this? Like, are, are you happy with this um, this new discovery of yours? And second question I asked was, how can I help? Mm -hmm. And so I guess like for me, I want to understand um, from you like what you think, you know, perhaps like a community of allies can do to help support our queer Asian friends, whether they be in entertainment or just like in every, like everyday life. Yeah, I think the main thing that comes to mind is, you know, when I'm in a lot of straight spaces myself, right? Mm -hmm. um, my two best friends in LA and my two best friends in New York, they're, they're all straight. Me being in those spaces, I have a responsibility. When, we're ha when we have conversations and things come up where people say certain things that might be homophobic or just a little hurtful to community, mm -hmm. it's my responsibility to sort of call them on that, mm -hmm. on the bullshit, or educate them. Mm -hmm. Is it my, always gonna be my job to do that? No, like, you know, it's not well, my job. Hopefully not, yeah. Then, yeah. But, but also, <laughs> And so this is the thing with like I think what straight people can do is kind of like you know if if you want to be an ally you got to hold your own people uh, accountable mm -hmm. because queer people are not gonna always have access to the, to the spaces mm -hmm. <clears throat> to help people who can be allies right mm -hmm. or educate them so I think that's what people can do and then of course you know just like support more queer Asian like content whether mm -hmm. it's you know movies or TV shows or web series or books mm -hmm. or podcasts. What have you? I think there's a lot we can do. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot already. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. have to come up with an, an exhaustive list, but I think, um, you know, to your point, like what I take from that is that you can be an ally in just like everyday mm -hmm. life and the everyday single decisions, like to say something. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, or lead by example. Yeah. One of our editors for Cold Tea, he identifies as a gay man. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, he couldn't be here today. His name's Tim, but he had some questions for you yeah. that I would love to pull up. Okay, so specifically, um, you were actually recently honored with the Human Rights Campaign's Visibility Award. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Oh, that's huge. Um, and 
And you said in your acceptance speech, uh, my generation is far luckier than those who came before us, the real LGBTQ pioneers who struggled and paid the price to live their lives openly and, and honestly. Was there a trailblazer or someone that you really looked up to yourself to be able to, I guess, kind of, if you were to thank someone for kind of opening those doors, opening a path for you? George Takei. Yes. Yeah. OG. OG. OG George. I don't even have to say much when I say yeah. George Takei. We, yeah, enough said. <laughs> He was a trailblazer in many different ways mm -hmm. um, and very brave for doing what, for coming out when he came out. Mm -hmm. Even like being an actor at the time, just choosing to be an actor at the time mm -hmm. after going through the internment camps and yeah. to stay in America and pursue um, a creative performing job and to, yeah, come out when he came out and not be apologetic about it at all. George Takei. There you go. Yeah. Mic drop right there. Yep. <laughs> We've also had the opportunity to speak with Chris Lamb. He is, I don't know if you've heard of him, he's an, uh, a queer Asian American um, and he actually yes. works in media. He's worked for BuzzFeed as well and he's got a fun little show about um, getting straight people to watch Drag Race. Um, so <laughs> he's a character. We interviewed him uh, last month. Uh -huh. And um, so for... For him, he talked a lot about the struggle um, of queer media featuring mostly white people, right? And so perhaps like Asian media, where do you think the opportunities are for us to kind of have more representation in queer media in general? I know it's a big question. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's hard to say because Chris is right. You know, still, even if we're getting a lot of queer representation, centers heavily white characters or white people. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know, Netflix, FX, you know, they got Pose. Pose is great. Centers around black trans women mm. or trans women of color. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge. In terms of Asian queer content characters, I don't, I know it's out there. I just can't mm -hmm. think of it off the top Maybe of my head. Maybe it's not necessarily, um, I'm sure there's a lot of independent productions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Independent, like, um, like media around. Uh -huh. Or what about, um, where do you... What is representation and authenticity? Where does that come into play when it comes to queer Asian representation and entertainment? You know, just um, the characters not being one-dimensional stereotypes. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if you make the character three-dimensional and flawed, just layered, right? With hopes and dreams and fears and vices, that's all you can ask for, because mm -hmm. that's a human. If the Asian-ness is not just to define the character, but to lend a layer, mm -hmm. But also, specifically, what kind of Asian, you know? Yeah. Is it a Korean-Canadian queer person? Is it a um, Filipino-American queer person? They're going to have all, all the, the different cultural specificities, you know, mm -hmm. ethnocentricities, right? Yeah. And I think that's important also mm -hmm. to tell, like, that story. But you can only get that if the writers, the execs, mm -hmm. the directors mm -hmm. are of that world or sort of they invest to learn more to reflect that world, you know? Because mm -hmm. look, you know, I hear people say, well, this role is written for white, but they cast an Asian woman. That's great for representation. And, I, and it's like, no, I don't, mm. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so because you've neutered this character of any cultural mm. specificity. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, you, her name is Becky, but she's Asian. Okay, and then like, it's just like, it could have been for a white person. Could have been, yeah. I, I sure. don't care. You yeah. know, like, if you're going to cast an Asian person and this Asian person was born and raised um, in, a, in an immigrant household, mm -hmm. they're going to have specific experiences and um, characteristics, mm -hmm. you know? And that's very important to explore. Mm -hmm. But um, that's all we ask, you know, is not mm -hmm. to place stereotypes, make this person very well fleshed out, um, very specific, truthful, mm -hmm. you know, and queer. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's up to it's up to the writers, producers, mm -hmm. directors. Yeah, exactly. And then you know. it's up to execs, exactly. And uh -huh. then it's up to the, the talented actors to you know make sure that that truth is told on yes. screen. Yes, yeah, that they deliver. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Well, um, oops, I'm sorry, one sec. Okay, so we have a very special Pride Month campaign um, that we're um, inviting people to participate in as well. So I guess you can kind of be our first and only kind of on camera responding oh. to it. So these are some okay. of the top three questions that we're asking members of our queer Asian community to kind of respond to, to put together like a list, um, like a comprehensive list of, you know, what it's like to be a queer Asian in North America today. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions is, what does Pride mean to you? Pride means... Being unapologetically yourself, 
even in the face of adversity and discrimination and persecution, that you not only stand up for yourself but other people together. You love who you want to and you respect other people's choices of loving who they want to and show that pridefully and lovingly and unabashed. That's right. Love out loud. Love out loud. There you go. Yeah. Um, if you could go back in time to give advice to your younger self, what would that be? To stop comparing yourself to other people. There you go. Okay. There's only one Jake Choi. There the could Jake only movie. be <laughs> one of each person. Yeah. Yeah. A doppelganger can only go so far yeah. beyond this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What does the queer Asian American experience mean to you? It's like, you know what's like? It's, um, you're like a double minority. You're like a minority <laughs> on minority. Yeah. Especially if you're a femme, if you're a woman or femme. It's still something that's very, I think, it's not new in terms of identity, but it's mm -hmm. new in terms of like the conversations that are having had in a very like sort of macro sense, you know, because I'm pretty sure, you know, queer Asians have been talking about their rights and fighting for their rights for many, many, many years. But mm -hmm. it's now, I think, starting to come up in straight Asian spaces also, you know, like mm -hmm. I think a lot of queer um, Asians are sort of asking and demanding for equal rights and yeah. representation and it's reaching straight Asian folks, you know, mm -hmm. and it's very important like that everyone's included. But that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's what comes up, you know, when I think about like being queer and Asian mm -hmm. in America, you know, you, you're fighting multiple battles, but now times are changing and the battles are at the forefront of not just queer people, but straight people. Yeah. yeah. If you can all band together, solidarity, yes. help each other out, have each other's backs, yes. create, create more space for more people. Yeah, because, you know, queer Asians are fighting for straight Asians, you know? Yeah. But straight Asians don't really fight for queer Asians, or think about them. Mm. So I think we need some parity, you do. know? Yeah. Jake for president. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great platform. Um, <laughs> for parity, um, for representation. No, yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, you don't have a political uh, platform. Elmhurst. <laughs> president of Elmhurst. Yeah, there you then. go. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there you yeah. go. So our podcast, so this is gonna this is a video interview, but it's also gonna be turned into a podcast. Cool. So our podcast is called Pearls of Wisdom. Mm -hmm. Do you have a pearl of wisdom you'd like to impart on our listeners or viewers? It, it can be anything to do with life, your career, being your authentic self, anything. I personally have benefited from the practice of detachment. You know, when I don't attach myself to things or people and sort of curb expectations, mm -hmm. it really prevents me from being disappointed, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's it's sort of this Buddhist sort of philosophy, like I think the art of detachment and the, it saves you pain and disappointment, right? Uh, because you're gonna, I think everyone's gonna suffer eventually. Mm -hmm. You're always gonna have pain and suffering, but I, th I feel like why exasperate that with mm -hmm. expectations and attachments? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I try to practice detachment and you know, it does help in preventing disappointment mm -hmm. um, in life. And that's something that I've been working on. There you go. I still work on it. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's definitely one of those things you have to you know, continue to practice, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm just thinking like, oh my God, the crows are gonna be, <laughs> just don't get pooped on. So I have a couple of just funny things to just to wrap up the interview. Uh, rapid fire questions oh, man. with Jake Choi. Favorite Korean dish? Kimchi jjigae. LA or New York? New York. Current favorite show to binge? Killing Eve. Ooh. Best rapped album of all time? All Eyes on Me by Tupac. Uh, favorite basketball player? LeBron James. There you go. And um, so I, that's it, unless there's something else you wanted to talk about? No, I think we're no? good. Okay, that was so fun. Thank you again to Jake for sharing his story and pearls of wisdom with us. I also want to give a special shout out to our videographer, Chris Cho. Yes, I said videographer because we also have videos on social. Be sure to check them out. And also thank you to our associate producers, Andy Lee, Tiffany Lee, and Sam Lee. And no, they are not related. And actually, all three last names are spelt differently. That's right. Make sure you catch Jake on Single Parents on ABC. Season two debuts today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more Pearls of Wisdom.